Jason with Zion ID here. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to talk about the Father. Father in heaven, the Almighty God. As you study the life of Jesus, uh, one thing that stands out is his repetition of deflecting all personal credit to the Father. The main point being that Jesus knew he couldn't complete his mission alone. It's been said that true faith is not a belief in yourself, but actually it's a belief that you can't do it alone. Um, Jesus recognized that it wasn't his wisdom, it wasn't his strength alone, uh, but the true power source was an endowment from his Father above. Uh, Listen to the following uh, samples of Scripture. In John 5, 19, it says, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. John eight twenty nine, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. So Jesus was able to maintain a connection with his Father's doctrine, uh, his Father's voice, even his Father's presence, despite the veil of mortality. We can do likewise as we are obedient uh, to his doctrines. John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Well, we can also come to know our Father by learning about His beloved Son and applying the gospel in our lives. The Savior taught His disciples in John 14, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Well, why is it so important to recognize our identity as as sons and daughters of God? Because this is the well of knowledge from which our confidence springs. We pray not to a distant, unknowable being, but to a Father who loves us and knows us. It was He who decreed that all of our prayerful petitions... All of our prayerful expressions of gratitude be directed towards Him. It is He who answers our prayers. We can't approach Him directly because no one thing, unclean thing can, but through the cleansing, sanctifying influence of Jesus, we are able to access the Father. Know your place. Know your potential. Unlock a fullness of blessings that are available through his oath and covenant of the priesthood. Um, This episode, in some ways, is a follow-up to a prior podcast that I titled uh, The Science of Prayer. And in The Science of Prayer, we talked about the methods of communication and how the Father can distinctly hear each one of our petitions. Um. But I think the reason why we need the follow-up is because it's a good reminder um, to whom these petitions are being directed. Um, Who exactly is the Father? There's some great quotes from Neil A. Maxwell that I'd like to discuss. Um, He says, 
Let's see, where should we start? It is one of the ironies of religious history that many mortals err in their understanding of the nature of God and end up rejecting not the real God, but their own erroneous and stereotypical image of God. So one way we can misdirect prayer is by having an erroneous and stereotypical image of God. Obviously, you have the creeds uh, made in Nicaea that, you know, masked the true nature of God into a being that could not be comprehended, had no form or function. We know that that's not the case. We know that we worship a God who um, who is an exalted man one who has passed through stations similar to the ones that we are now experiencing, one who has ultimate compassion and love and has advanced uh, through eternity. That is the kind of God, that is the God Elohim that we pray to. And as we think that way, our prayers will become more personal um, more personal, and, and reach the power source. Neil A. Maxwell continues, He is not a passive God who merely watches lights on a cosmic computer and presses buttons to implement previously laid plans. That's a pretty funny illustration. Because in in the world that we live in today of tech, one might think that that's how God is operating. Neil A. Maxwell continues, He is a very personal God who is just, merciful, and kind. His great desire is not to count his creations like so many coins, but to bind up the broken hearts of the inhabitants of each world. Sanctification, not quantification, is his work. He wants to have that personal relationship with us. Um, And he doesn't want our past sins or mistakes to get in the way. Neil A. Maxwell says, What is past is truly prologue. Hence, an unvarying, all-seeing God desiring to save mercurial and myopic man is not interested in our retroactive adulation, but in preventing our prospective ruination. The past is in the past. You may feel like you have sunk into a pit of despair with no way out. Well, your father has provided a plan to save you. And so there's never a time in life when we should give up, but we should be continually reaching for him. And sometimes when we have to reach the furthest and we have to push ourselves the most, um, that's actually by design as well, because it is instilling new levels of faith within our souls. A universal God is actually involved with our small individual universes of experience. In the midst of his vast dominions, yet he numbers us, knows us, and loves us perfectly. That brings so much peace to the soul to know that we are not alone and that we can rely on a loving Father. Along with knowing that God is there, it is equally vital to know what he is like, including his perfected attributes of justice and mercy. More mortals die in ignorance of God's true character than die in actual defiance of him. We need not be atop high mountains or in sacred groves for God to be there, 
God is also there even in the mildest expressions of his presence. God is a loving father who wants us to have the happiness that results from proven righteousness, not from mere innocence. At times, he will not deflect life's harsh learning experiences that may come to each of us, even though he will help us cope with them. God is neither a silent, indifferent monarch in the sky, nor is he an indulgent grandfather figure who will give his children the incomplete therapy of partial truth. God reveals full truth to us. He allows us to go through trial and tribulation to refine our souls. And as we do, he wants us to exercise agency, not mere innocence, through proven patterns of righteousness. Um, The covenant path that we're walking on now is not new. It is a time-tested pattern that was has been experienced by many before us, and it does produce the blessings that it promises to produce. God's governance of galaxies does not prevent his giving us collective and individual attention. Just as he watched over nomadic ancient Israel by day and gave them light by night. Uh, The final quote that we'll read from Neil A. Maxwell is, let's see here. The living God never leaves us alone, even when we seek to move away from him. When the living God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, the prophet, out of fear of men, strove to go to Tarshish instead. Well, the living God was not busy elsewhere or slumbering. He delivered Jonah unceremoniously back to Nineveh. That is the sort of thing a living God does. A passive life force or an indulgent grandfather God wouldn't worry about that sort of detail. As long as we are being basically good boys and girls who might find some good to do in Tarshish. But we have a precise and loving Father in heaven who knows what we need and who loves us enough to get us to Nineveh instead of settling for the chores of Tarshish. John Taylor also has some great quotes that help us comprehend the nature of God the Father. John Taylor says, When the saints of God contemplate his true position, or excuse me, when the saint of God contemplates his true position before God, angels and men, then he soars above the things of time and sense and bursts the cords that bind him to earthly objects. Again, that's the confidence that we're talking about um, when we approach the Father in the right way. In one point of view, man appears very poor, weak, and in another point of view, he appears wise, intelligent, strong, honorable, and exalted. It is just in the way that you look at a man that you are led to form your opinions concerning him. In one respect, he appears, as it were, as the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. He is changeable in his opinions, in his thoughts, reflections, and actions. He is idle, vain, and visionary, without being governed by any correct principle. He comes into existence, as it were, like a butterfly, flutters around for a little while, dies, and is no more. But in another point of view, we look at him as emanating from the gods, as a god in embryo, 
as an eternal being who had an existence before he came here and who will exist after his mortal remains are mingled and associated with dust from whence he came and from whence he will be resurrected and partake of that happiness for which he is destined or receive the reward of his evil deeds according to circumstances. Man stands erect on the earth in the likeness of his great creator, beautifully constructed in all his parts, with a body possessing all the functions necessary for the wants of humanity, standing not only by right, but by adaptability, beauty, symmetry, and glory at the head of all creation. Possessing also mental powers and the capacity of reflecting upon the past with capabilities to reason upon cause and effect and by the inductive powers of his mind through the inspiration of the Almighty to comprehend the magnificent laws of nature as exhibited in the works of creation with the capacity also of using the elements and forces of nature and of adapting them to his own special benefit and by his powers penetrating into the deep, ascending into the heavens, rushing with mighty velocity across the earth, making use of the separate or combined forces of nature with which he is surrounded, and subjugating them to his will. As likewise, by his intelligence, he has dominion over the fishes of the sea, over the fowls of the air, and over the cattle. As children of God, we did not originate from a chaotic mass of matter, moving or inert, but came forth possessing in an embryonic state all the faculties and powers of a God. Brigham Young says, The great architect, manager, and superintendent, controller and dictator, absolute ruler who guides this work is out of sight to our natural eyes. He lives on another world. He is in another state of existence. He has passed the ordeals we are now passing through. He has received an experience, has suffered and enjoyed, and knows all that we know regarding the toils, sufferings, life and death of this mortality, for he has passed through the whole of it and has received his crown and exaltation and holds the keys and the power of this kingdom. He sways his scepter and does his will among the children of men, among saints and among sinners, and brings forth results to suit his purpose among kingdoms and nations and empires, that all may um, redound to his glory and to the perfection of his work. He is the supreme controller of the universe. At his rebuke, the sea is dried up and the rivers become a wilderness. He measures the waters in the hollow of his hand and meteth out heaven with a span and comprehendeth the dust of the earth in a measure and weigheth the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance and nations to him are as a drop in a bucket and he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. The hairs of our heads are numbered by him and not a sparrow falleth to the ground without our father. And he knoweth every thought and intent of the hearts of all living. For he is everywhere present by the power of his spirit, his minister, the Holy Ghost. He is the father of all, is above all, through all, and in you all. He knoweth all things pertaining to this earth, and he knows all things pertaining to millions of earths like this. 
He has given form, motion, and life to this material world, has made the great and small lights that bespangle the firmament above, has allotted to them their times and their seasons, and has marked out their spheres. He has caused the air and the waters to teem with life, and covered the hills and plains with creeping things, and has made man to be a ruler over his creations. God is the source, the fountain of all intelligence, no matter who possesses it. Whether man upon the earth, the spirits in the spirit world, the angels that dwell in all the eternities of the gods, or the most inferior intelligence among the devils in hell, all have derived what intelligence, light, power, and existence they have from God the Father. From the same source from which we have received ours, every good and perfect gift cometh from God. Every discovery in science and art that is really true and useful to mankind has been given by direct revelation from God, though but few acknowledge it. It has been given with a view to prepare the way for the ultimate triumph of truth and the redemption of the earth from the power of sin and Satan. So the challenge going forth with this sort of knowledge is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Just because we can't see something doesn't mean it's not there. You can't see radio waves, but they're there. You can't see cellular spectrum, but it's there. Um, Oftentimes you're not even in the direct presence of your earthly parents, but they're there. The challenge here is to emulate Jesus and make the Father a priority in your life. Okay? Acknowledge him. It might be a behavioral pattern that's foreign to our natural instinct, right? Our natural instinct is to be self-sufficient. It's to be independent. You know, it's to gain a knowledge on our own, do it alone. You know, it's me, me, me. But nevertheless, such an egocentric arrogance is false doctrine. Immerse yourself in the doctrine of God the Father. It's available through Scripture His voice can be heard through the voice of modern prophets. Um, And of course, you can see it. You can see his presence through the life of the Savior. We need to pray to him more fervently, more personally. And as we do, our testimony in a loving God will increase. Our confidence will wax strong. And we will be a major benefit to all of those around us. Concerning our trust in the Father, there's a great quote that was shared to me by, by uh, my brother-in-law this morning. I had the quotes from Elder Renland. It says, Sometimes we need to make a bow and arrow before revelation comes as to where we should search for food. Sometimes we need to make tools before revelations come as to how to build a ship. Sometimes, at the direction of the Lord's prophet, we need to bake a small cake from the little oil and flour we have to receive an unfailing cruse of oil and barrel of flour. And sometimes, we need to be still and know that God is God and trust in His timing.